0: Hello and welcome to my new podcast, which I haven't named yet. Oh, hi, Gabe. So for the um, theme music for my podcast, I've decided to just use um, songs from my musical past. Hopefully I won't get sued for it. This is an old one. Always like that one. Anyway, enough of that. Um, I'm actually just holding the phone up to the microphone. Anyway, welcome to my podcast. Uh, I'm Conrad Doucette. This podcast was inspired by Rick Webb. Um, my friend Rick Webb, who's a known digital media person. And he started a podcast a few months ago where he basically just delivers a Spalding Gray-like soliloquy about what's going on in his life, and I've just been completely captivated by it, and I wanted to do something similar because it seemed like a good way to just um, sort of collect my thoughts in a nice, timely, routinely-like fashion. Um, I'd been meaning to do a podcast for a while, not dying to do one, but thought I would do one whenever inspiration struck, and inspiration struck when I heard Rick's podcast because I thought, hey, here's a fun way to do it. I certainly don't care about scale or reach or any of those other metrics here. I simply want to just talk into the void about things I am interested in, and if five people listen, great. That gives us stuff to talk about the next time we meet down at the watering hole. Um that's good enough for me. So again, my name is Conrad Doucette. My new middle name's Richard. I don't know how many of my friends knew that. Might as well get that out of the way now. Um, so yeah, I've got like a little like notebook page of notes in front of me to go through. I'm going to keep this short. I don't know what the ideal time will be, Uh Rick's podcasts are usually about an hour. He has a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Uh I feel I probably have half as interesting have half as, half as much interesting topics to talk about, so maybe this will be half that time, maybe even less. I'm not very interesting. Maybe this will just be 3 or 4 minutes. Anyway, let's go through my notes. So, what am I going to talk about on this podcast that I haven't yet named? Um The final topic for today will be what I might possibly name this. Anyway. Music. You guys know that I'm very into music. I like listening to music. I like playing music. I'll be talking about music, um, what I'm listening to, what I'm going to see out in concert, uh, what I'm playing, which I sometimes get to play music. Books. Um, I've always read a lot. But I went a few years without reading much for a bunch of reasons. Mostly having a kid reasons. And now over the past year, I'm way back into reading. Trying to read a lot. And I'll tell you what I'm reading. Um, let's see. I have a beautiful boy. Once in a while, I'll talk about Oliver. He's five years old. And uh, the only thing... The Only other thing I have in my notes for today, for podcast number one, was beer. Because I was drinking a beer. Um, I was drinking a beer when I wrote this, so sue me if it goes something. Um, But it's not like I'll talk about beer every time. Um, So, I guess we'll just start with the podcast. Uh, Let's see. September. It's the week of September. September. This is the week of September 17th, 2018. A lot of stuff in the news. I kind of try to avoid digging deep. You know, I kind of like know what I want to happen in the world roughly. I keep abreast of things and then I detach. Get involved when I need to, but you know, in terms of just like pure news consumption, I detach. So I look to the arts. So, music. What am I listening to? Well, in my notes, I wrote down, I would talk about what I'm listening to, but I realized I didn't write anything next to it. So what am I listening to? Well, you know, you guys know I always listen to The Grateful Dead. There was a new Pacific Northwest box set that came out last week, beautiful, 18 CDs, six shows from 73 and 74, Portland and Seattle, couldn't really pull the trigger financially this year on this year's you know annual grateful dead box set uh so i got the three cd set and um it's amazing you know it's the highlight is probably this playing in the band from i think it's may 14 1974 in uh seattle and it is the single longest grateful dead song ever um 45 minutes or so. I think the CD track is 46 minutes and something seconds. That includes some very welcome, quote unquote, dead air at the beginning of the track. You you just hear that that nice sort of like pause with ambient crowd noise in the background before they begin. And man, they really they really do a number on this one. It just goes all over the place in those 40, 45 minutes. Um I highly recommend it. Is it a good introduction to non-deadheads? I don't know. I always like to give non-deadheads a nice melody and at least something of a concise song with hints of the stellar exploration that can occur. Um playing this playing in the band from 51474 is is all stellar exploration after the first 3 minutes. But it's something. Um, at times, this struck me today when I was listening to it. Seems almost fish-like. I like fish, but I'm no fish expert. Um, but it seems like something people that like fish might like this piece of May 74, for Dead. Um, I'm sure people that like fish are familiar with the dead anyway. But um, what have I seen lately? Well, I've seen two great shows in the past week. I saw David Byrne from the Talking Heads, of course, on Saturday night at Forest Hills Stadium in um, Forest Hills, right off the seventy-first Continental stop of the F and E trains. And what a beautiful show! Um, you know, this tour has been going on since the spring. It's just, it sort of has an untethered tour. It's the American Utopia tour. They call it the American Utopia tour. All of the tour posters have David Byrne sort of his face in the statue of liberty um, so with this untethered tour it's building up building on what he's done i think what he did with the saint vincent tour there are elements there but essentially the stage is a a, a rectangle box either one box or box like rectangle with glittery streamy curtains on three sides the open side of course facing the audience and through these curtains, his incredible supporting musicians enter uh, in and out throughout the show. Um, of particular interest to me as a drummer is the just fantastic percussion section. They all entered en masse. It's weird to say en masse out loud. It's a written thing you usually see, not speak. But en masse, they all entered during E-Zimbra, which is probably my favorite Talking head song opening song on the album Fear of Music um, the one with the black cover and just the little green letters I love E Zimbra and it's such a groove and it's a little sinister but joyous at the same time just very representative of 1980 Brian Eno produced Talking Heads where Brian Eno was basically in the band Byrne and Eno and then Chris France and Tina Weymouth and Jerry Harrison um, so that was a great show that was out at Forest Hills I went with my brother-in-law Drew, who I love hanging out with he, he and uh, my sister-in-law got tickets to this at the auction for the PS29 PS29 auction back in the spring and they sort of tipsily texted me back then that they won these and that I would be going and I was very excited and it seemed like forever in the future and all of a sudden September 15th arrived and we went and it was a great, great time. Um, Forest Hill Stadium, if you've gone, is fantastic. It's just in a beautiful neighborhood, in a beautiful setting, and it's a beautiful old stadium. There's not a bad seat in the house. I'm assuming because I haven't been to the worst seats, but I've been around it and it's great. And the passes we had were these VIP passes where they... We didn't really know what to expect, but when we got there and we picked up tickets at Will Call uh, in this little trailer-like thing on Burn Street there in Forest Hills, they directed us to a small tent basically across the street. And And the street, by the way, is closed off to traffic so it's just pedestrians walking towards Forest Hills and and they directed us there and all of a sudden we realize we get escorted in um which seems cool we actually it actually took a little while because they wait to gather a group of people and then walk you all in together that's a little annoying but you know that's fine they're very nice they walk you in they they told us that we had access to the 1923 Lounge, and the Trophy Club Lounge, neither of which I'd heard of, but obviously it sounds nice. And the first thing I thought was, oh, these must be places away from the stage. We can go hang out, and um, but then we'll want to go to the show. But it turns out, as we're walking, they mentioned something about a viewing platform. So that sounds nice. So obviously we can see the show, and that becomes to sound a lot more appealing. And... So we're taken to sort of exterior of the back of the stadium. The stadium is this horseshoe, sort of small horseshoe. And you enter the floor via these arches. So you walk under these huge cement arches. But instead of walking onto the floor, they let us into this door that was built into the wall. Um, and not a full-size door, shorter than that. Like A tall person would have to duck. And when you cross the threshold, you entered this small, I mean, it was like a speakeasy. It was a real small bar and and a small room. Really amazing. And the drinks were free, or I guess paid for via your VIP tickets. And you can go out onto a small quote-unquote viewing platform, which is a little AstroTurf opening at the back of the floor, which is probably, I'd say, five inches off the ground. Um, so it's, you know, just, you know, you're up a bit, uh, the people in the seats behind you are above you, and the floor is technically below you, five inches, and you have the stage in front of you. So that was nice. So we got some beers, ran into, ran into my friend John from Gothamist in line there, I hadn't seen him in a while, and... Um, and we went out to our seats. We had good seats, section four. Uh, some some shows at Four Cells have seats. Some some don't. This one did. Section four. And my brother-in-law and I just had a great time. And, and what a show! You know, just had a, just blown away. Very inspiring. At the end of the night, you know, we we walk out of there, and and there's just you know thousands of people leaving. We had already made a decision not to take the train home. We were going to suck it up and, and take a car home. And with so many people, we decided to just find a local pub and kill some time. So we went and watched some college football and and had, a, had two beers and went home. Great night. That was one great show I saw this week. The other was earlier in the week, Shellac at the Bell House in Brooklyn, in Gowanus. Shellac, as you probably may or may not know, uh, long-running trio led by Steve Albini on guitar and vocals, and Steve Albini, of course, famed producer, um, has produced a lot of stuff. He probably produces, you know, most famous stuff in the early '90s, turn of the '90s. Um, breeders. Nirvana, in utero, most famously, although the version that was released by Geffen is not a version he was happy with, but then his version came out in the box set a few years ago, or something like that. Anyway, pretty amazing. Uh, shellac plays sort of, I guess you'd call it like a, like a angular post-punk type stuff. Very much respect it, love it when I listen to it. Um, it was never my first choice to like reach for, so to speak, so I just don't know them well. I went in not being able to name a song by them. Uh, I've walked out... Well, actually, I can't name any because I can't remember the titles, um, but loved it. What a show. Great band. The bassist is Bob Weston, who's you know, mastering engineer in Chicago. The drummer is this guy. I think his name is Bob Trainer. I hope I'm not messing that up, but I really liked him. He's just this... Tall, very striking looking man who uh, plays very sparingly where everything he hits uh, really resonates. Um, You really notice his playing. It seems like very well thought out. I love the show. It's one of those neighborhood shows where you see a lot of people you know and it's just a reminder that Life can be really good when you go out and enjoy the arts and you do it amongst your fellow human being. It was a great time. And the Bell House is a place that holds... I'm very fond of and I have a, I have a lot of history with and maybe that's a future podcast topic is is the history of the Bell House. Um, so that's what I saw this week. Books. So one reason I wanted... To start podcasting was to talk about the books I'm reading. So let me tell you about the three books that I've either read or am currently finishing over the past two weeks, I'd say. So a couple weeks ago, I went to the library um, here in Carroll Gardens, and um, I usually like buying books, but sometimes... Sometimes I don't, because I know I I won't care to put it on my shelf, so I just, I'll go to the library. I got a library card a year ago for this purpose, mainly because I started reading more science fiction, and I thought, well, I'm going to read a lot. Some I'll like, some I won't, a lot I won't want to keep. I should get a library card. So a couple weeks ago, I went over, and I, this anthology that came out a few years ago, I can't remember the publisher right now, but probably the only famous science fiction anthology of 1950s books that came out in 2013 or 14. You can look it up, I guess. It was reviewed in the Times. Anyway, I borrowed the book for, you know, you get three weeks. You can renew it, of course, but I just felt like, I'm just going to read one of these stories. Well, they're novels, so not stories. but So I read The Long Tomorrow by Lee Brackett. Lee Brackett is according to the back of this anthology the first i guess female first woman to i think they described it as make make a mark in science fiction um anyway i always knew her because she famously wrote an early draft of the empire strikes back and her name is on the final credits of the empire strikes back like it's not really known how much of her how much of just everything of hers made it in, Um, it's out there on the internet. You can find, like, her original draft of it, and I've looked through it, and a lot of it is very interesting because, you know, there's a different name for Yoda, his name is Minch, and Darth Vader wasn't originally the father. Spoiler alert, and all this stuff. So, anyway. But this book was written in 1953 or 4, and takes place in a post nuclear war early 21st century it seemed like or mid actually doing the math but where non electrical agrarian society has taken forth again and in order to prevent any future nuclear wars essentially globally cities are banned um, and it becomes a philosophical the book is a philosophical argument between um, agrarian life and the evils of technology basically it's like agrarian agrarian um communities who are technophobic and what does that mean and is it possible to reign in humanity and not quote unquote progress? Very interesting. Um it's a type of story where you're gripped by the story as it happens, and then when you close it up and you go about your life, that's when you think about it. It's like constantly in your head. So I thought about that book for the, for the week I was reading it. I thought about it a lot and talked to people about it. Um, and then I started and then finished The, the Three-Body Problem, which is a very well-known book. I was not aware of this book until I went to a birthday party for my one of my son's friends this summer, and a f- fellow parent told me about it. And then I realized oh, it's just like it was this NPR, New York Times, Barack Obama recommended darling from a few years ago. Um, originally written in Chinese, the author is um, uh, it's slipping my mind, and the book is on the other side of the room, and I'm not going to go get it. Um, And I guess I could look it up. But, I mean, it's the three-body problem. Basically, it was translated by Ken Liu. I don't know why I I remember the translator's name. but um, Sixin Li, C-I-X-I-N. Is that it? I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm just going to phonetically pronounce it. um, But incredible book. Wow. Um, You know, it seemed to transcend a lot of issues I often have with science fiction books, which is... The more they sort of explain the uh, the sort of topic or the the main the main gist of, of the of what of the story they've come up with, the less sort of poetic the prose can be. But this one sort of kept its its beautiful. It's just sort of like elegant lyricism, even as it explained a sort of deep story. Um, got lost here and there, but. I was just like constantly, I guess, like dazzled by the beauty of it, and it was definitely a page turner too. I I couldn't wait to keep reading it. there has been a lot of F train delays in New York, so I was able to read a lot of it, read, read it fast. Um, so I love the Three Body Problem. I'm debating whether to go straight into the second book in this trilogy, or do I? cleanse my palate. I just received from my friend Kara today a copy of um, Differently Wired by Deborah Reber. This is a nonfiction book basically about spectrum kids, autistic kids, and um, I'm excited to read it because topic that close to home for me. So I might read that before I continue with the Three-Body Problem Trilogy. We'll see. Also, it seems like Differently Wired is a book that isn't necessarily a front-to-end, front-to-back, start-to-finish prose thing. You can probably drop in and out of it. And on the side, so basically I always have a one book going as well as a second music book, which music books are sort of a whole different thing for me, so I always have that going on the side finishing yet another grateful dead book so many roads by david brown came out a few years ago excellent excellent book in in the top 20% of dead books i've read which is a lot um but essentially he just picks each book each chapter is a day you know like august something 67 or uh you know may 72 or um something you know 83 and he basically writes about where they are in their career at that point at that rough point and the chapter will sort of like begin circle through and then end with that date it's it's a it's a clever tactic and it's uh it's a really good way to get across the story I it's not the first book I would recommend to you know a, a dead newbie, although I think they'd enjoy it. But I th- I, th- I think it it offers a lot more value and worth to a more experienced deadhead. But anyway, what do I know? This, the author, David Brown, he he actually reviewed In the Dark in 1987 for Rolling Stone, which is, you know, the mega successful album with Touch of Grey that introduced the dead to an even larger audience and ultimately heralded their... Their end by just making them just too popular. So maybe this actually is the book for newbies to read. Who knows? Um, let's see. I want to talk about talk about my son Oliver. He's five years old. He started kindergarten this month. I think it's going well. You know, the first week or two, he seemed to be in a great mood before school, after school. Um, so that was a good sign. Lately, he's not so into going to school. He sort of protests before we leave the house, the apartment in the morning. And he walks very slowly down the two and a half, three blocks to school. Sometimes coming to a complete stop while I keep walking and I look back and he's at least four doors back. And he looks at me. Finally, he'll start moving. Um a little it's a little not unannoying anyway so hopefully he'll like it more I mean it's a big change he went from a very small nurturing beautiful school in the neighborhood and he's in a very small nurturing beautiful class but within this huge thing I mean it's like it's it's a big school big city public school now that we walk into and it must be like well, it must be like living in an agrarian society and then showing up one day at Ohio State or something. Um, but I think it's going well. This, you know, I love the school. Um, he's in great program that we were hoping he would he would be you know able to get into. So we'll see. But you know, it's like two weeks into a very big life change. So I think he'll do okay. I hope. Um, a wonderful thing about the school is that for the first time now in his in my son's very you know young life is I have friends who are fellow parents and in the past I've become friends with parents but I've never gone into a situation where I was already friends with fellow parents and these aren't fellow parents in his class or even his grade but they're in the school and to see them like most mornings and to be able to talk about this stuff and to talk about like the actual people at the school and what's going on, and also since you know they've had kids there- bef- you know for a couple of years now, they can tell me some of the backstory and who are some of the parents that stood up at the p t a meeting and said this and that um you know are they allies they're you know they're all allies, but you know it's like um it's just an interesting it's in yet another yet another stage of you know my son's life, yet another stage of being a parent in my son's life and Kind of another stage in my own life, just like, um, you know, another thing that's hugely important, and it will re- be replaced in the future with yet another hugely important stage. But pretty amazing, um, you know, sort of like path of life. But it's pretty great right now. It's it's a fun beginning, and hopefully it continues to be fun. Hopefully, hopefully it will be better. Hopefully my son will want to walk at a more normal pace to school starting soon, maybe tomorrow. Uh, beer. I want to talk about beer. Why beer? I don't know. I mean, I like beer, but um, I went to Vermont for my friend Drew's wedding a couple of weeks ago. Drew Thurlow is one of my you know old best friends. We were in our band Taka Taka together. He finally got married, he was somebody who dated a lot, it seemed like he would never get married because he certainly liked to date a lot, He's sort of like our Bob Weir in that sense, but the big man finally went down, um, he married this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person named Jen, and they got married in her home state of Vermont, so of course we're drinking Vermont beers up there, and heady Topper, Hetty Topper, uh, which is by the Alchemist. I think the Alchemist is in Waterbury, Vermont, or near there. The wedding was south of there, Waitsfield, Vermont. Sort of like north centralish part of the state. And Hetty Topper is a strong IPA. Well, it's an average IPA, I guess, you know, a normal good IPA is like eight percent or so. Um, but just cloudy and beautiful. Some, I, I guess it's sort of like THC esque or that's sort of like the legend attached to it, but I don't know. It's just like I thought it was just great, great beer. Um, so I, I was thinking during my two nights there, I, you know, I'm driving back because I flew up there. But then I, I was going to get a ride back to New York with um my our other old bandmate Gabe. Um, so I thought I'd bring some beer back because it, obviously it's a pain to bring liquids on the plane. But <clears throat> so the morning that we left to drive back to New York, the one freaking store in the town was out of Heady Topper. So I didn't bring Hetty Topper back. I brought back Sip of Sunshine, which is great, by Lawson. Um, But, you know, it looked a little familiar, and I realized you can actually buy it in Brooklyn um, because it's brewed by Two Roads. It brewed at Two Roads in Stratford, Connecticut, uh, by Lawson from um, something Vermont. I I don't think Stowe. Anyway, um, the other four-pack of beer... I brought back was from Upper Pass The Cloudy something IPA Dew Drop or I don't know It's in the fridge in the other room um, Upper Pass is in I think they actually are in Stowe um, Great great beer And my brother-in-law Drew and I Split that beer Before we got on the Torturously long um, Construction laden Subway ride to Forest Hills last week um, So that's that's the beer report for this podcast, and so yeah, so for the name, I don't know. Like so, as I said, Rick Webb was my inspiration, and his 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 uh, podcast is called the Webb Chatham Report. Webb is of course his name. Chatham is he moved down to Chatham County, North Carolina, and report is just a great um, name for anything of this nature. So, I'm thinking of naming it Conrad something. I don't know what. I don't know if I want to name it The. You know, I've been in bands, and I The is something where it's like, you never know if it's going to be alphabetized in a certain way, but, you know, how's it going to appear? Is it The? Is it, are they going to do it without The? Is it going to be like the name of it, comma, The? Um, so I don't know the Conrad the Conrad Neighborhood Report, the Conrad Life Report. Maybe the Conrad Life Report, which is a report of my life, but also just because can mean reporting on life in general. Maybe that'll be it. Um, If you're listening, you'll already know it because I've already uploaded it and you'll see it in the metadata. But until then, I don't know. Um, I guess that's it. Signing off from this very first episode in September something and something 2018 from Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. This is the to Be Named podcast I'm Conrad Doucette and I'll see you I guess next week I'll do it weekly next week thanks oh I guess I should bring up some more music um how should I do this do a little more music this will be the outro music by the way I'm actually doing the outro music via holding up my iPhone to the microphone Pretty lame, right? But gets the job done. Okay. I'll see you soon. Bye.